Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show. Are you ready to be inspired? Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Uphill Conversations. I'm your host, Tim, and I'm so glad you can join me today as you're living your life and heading toward your emerging future. Hopefully, you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true. You can be more, do more, and have more. So, hey, I hope you guys are all doing well. This is episode 95. Um, it's been a very, very productive summer for me thus far. Um, doing some emceeing, uh, working with some new clients, doing a lot of training, a lot of workshops, a lot of development stuff. On-site, working with people, man, seeing faces. I love it. Love seeing people, learning, growing, uh, seeing them connect, and uh, doing extraordinary things together. So it's been really, really cool. World Cup's been awesome. Hey, how about that? We're in our final now coming up. It will be France and Croatia. Amazing. I love the World Cup. Um, also, hey, you know, I... Um, I just, I'm curious what you use, but I'm a big, uh, I like writing things down, scheduling my week, creating an ideal week that I can live into, all of that stuff, scheduling priorities, setting milestones, what are my goals, what are my, what are the quarterly things I want to accomplish, what are the, what's the yearly things, how do I track my habits, all that stuff. So I love writing that down. And, you know, I'm a digital guy too, I like digital things, but I like a good notebook too. And so I've been a big fan of the Focus Planner. Not that um, I am not being paid. This is not a paid advert for them. This is just me talking about it. Um, But I'm going to try another planner. So um, I did pick up the Panda Planner, and I'm going to try that one out. And I think that one goes for six months. The one I was doing with the Focus Planner was quarterly, but um, and it's not like I have an allegiance to one or the other. I just want to try some different ones. I want to try them out. I'm curious, what do you use? What do you do? Uh, What is there a tool? Hey, email me. Email me at tim at uphillconversations.co. I'd like to know what you use and um, because I'm going to try some other ones as well because I I love to pass them on to people and tell them, hey, look, you're trying to get your your life in order. You're trying to have, you know, more, you know, more control over your day, things that you do as much as, you know, you want to accomplish. However, you feel like you don't have the capacity nor the time. Well, usually that's not true. It's just, we're not using the time that we have wisely. So, um, yeah, share it with me. I would really appreciate that. I'm also been getting some great guest submissions and got some wonderful people coming on the show soon. And, um, you can do the same if you are someone who's listening that you could be a great ride along partner. You want to be able to share, check out, you listen to the show, check out the questions that are in the form. If you go to uphillconversations.co, scroll down a little bit and you'll see, be a guest, click on that, fill out the form, send it to me. We'll look it over, have a chat and hopefully get you on the show. Um, if you know someone that you think would be great on the show as well, you could submit their name and we will do the same. Also, you can connect with all the social channels there on the website. If you scroll all the way down to the bottom, you'll see how to connect um, through social media. Now, I am just now rolling into Instagram. I'm not overly over the top with it. I'm not trying to follow everyone, and I'm not trying to build a massive audience. I'm just connecting, putting things out as I go, and we'll see how things go there as well. 
but I'm kind of starting to like Instagram. So uh, my personal Instagram is Pecoraro Tim, P-E-C-O-R-A-R-O Tim. The show is Uphill Convo. And um, also the, what I do with my work, my business, what I do with speaking, coaching, and training, you can find that at um, It's Uphill Strategies. So I uh, would love for you to connect with me. And uh, yeah, I want to enjoy the Insta world. <laughs> so um, today's guest, Todd Tresseter. It's the second time I've had him on the show. He's a great guy. I really, really like Todd. This guy is a financial mentor, financial expert. He's phenomenal um, in in what he has been able to accomplish. And he's, you know, as brilliant as the this guy is, He's also just relatable and down to earth. So um, he's uh, been featured in Wall Street Journal, Smart Money Magazine, and Investors Business Daily, uh, Bankrate.com, and more. He's a former hedge fund uh, manager who retired at age 35. And it's interesting in the episode he talks about retirement, what that means. Um, so he retired at age 35 to become a financial consumer advocate and a money coach. In his spare time, he's an outdoor recreational enthusiast with varied interests from backpacking and adventure travel to endurance running and cycling. Um, he writes nine months out of the year from his home and, um, and, you know, while his kids are in school and, and he plays the rest of the year. So you can learn more about this guy um, at thefinancialmentor.com. And all of his information is in the show notes. But we have an incredible conversation. He is so down the earth. And it's not just about money, guys. We talk about just really you, a person. and But also you, you see how he knows how to weave that in because money does play a big part in our lives, obviously, right? We need it. We have to have it in order to do certain things, uh, food, shelter, and clothing being the uh, basic level of it. So... Enjoy this conversation. I'm sure you will like it. He is so kind, so open, and um, and he's approachable. So I hope you will enjoy this as much as I did. So without any further delay, let's jump into this conversation with Mr. Todd Tresseter. Welcome back to the show, Todd. Last time you were on was episode 37. It's like nine months ago. And I know you've been uh, just working and doing your thing. Um, why don't you uh, update us on what's been going on, what's new in your world? Well, I've got another book coming out. We'll be talking about that. Um, also wrapping up a course I've been developing that the book was actually extracted from. So a course is a complete wealth building course. You know, it's how you develop a wealth plan, not a financial plan, but a wealth plan. Um, we can go to that if you want. And then in there is a whole section on leverage that I never intended on including, but the the students kind of demanded it. The students that were in the course are like, oh, we really need that. And I'm like, ah, it's a lot of material. And they're like, no, we want it. Just make it good. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so once I did it, it was always intended to be a standalone book. Right. And so now I'm coming out with the book as well. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating information. It's, it's one of the key principles in wealth building is understanding leverage. Man, that's awesome. You know what I love is that uh, your folks are saying, hey, yeah, we want the book. Just as long, make sure it's good. <laughs> you know, no pressure, right? <laughs> well, yeah. So it took me the, – the backdrop is like these guys have become like friends. I mean we've been right. at this for a while because it took me two and a half years to build out the course. Um, and 
it's funny because when I first pre-sold it, so I pre-sold the course just to make sure there's market demand, right? And all these people came in that were fans of my work. And and then I start building it. And honestly, I thought it was going to take me three months to build it out. And it's like, I don't know how I could have been so stupid to think that, right? <laughs> you just think, oh, I'll build this course out in three months or something. And like, I just pulled a pie out of the sky. But you start dissecting just how much material is in there. I mean, it's like, I don't know, five, six books and worth of content and, you know, three feature length films of video production and, you know, and it's like, oh, you think you're going to do that in three months? I, I was delusional. Right, right. You were like, I'm slightly misguided here. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've had a saying that I do with my, my clients in the course that they've gotten to know, which is I would rather be good than fast. Yeah. And so the focus has always been, I will never trade off quality to get this done quickly. And so it took a while. <laughs> it, it's awesome. Uh, uh, Shama Hyder, who I love Shama. I met her in uh, Louisiana at, um, Groco, uh, festivals, like, uh, or a, a conference with Inc. And she's, uh, I mean, uh, you check her out. She's Zen media group. It's uh, Z E N media group. And she's man, Digital native. She was like one of the early people um, on Twitter. And I mean, she is a mastermind when it comes to that world of digital stuff. And, and her speed, her, 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 yeah, her speed is fast and speed on top of fast and nitro on top of that. And one of her focuses is um, excellence over expansion right now, you know, in the pursuit of excellence more so than just to expand because she's been growing so rapidly and she took $1,500 and turned it into a multi-million dollar business. And, and I love what you're saying because that's one of the things I'm starting to hear from people is that quality and Hey, you know what I, you know, you could, you know, in all reality, Todd, you could have just done that in three months, but it wouldn't have been true to who you are and what you, what the people, your students have come to expect nor what I think you would want to say would be something that would have a shelf life for people that have, you know, there's longevity for it. There, it's sustainable yeah. stuff, you know? We've all, we've all done, we've all been in courses where somebody, you know, I'll, I'll leave it nameless, right? But we've yeah. all taken a course <laughs> where somebody just blew it out fast and it shows it's crap, right? And I don't want to produce crap. I, you know, if I, if, if I'd done it quick, like I originally thought I was capable of doing, I would just have to redo it. And now I don't have to redo it. It's something that is going to last a very long time, you know, because it's, it's not timely material. It's evergreen material. It's something that is permanent. Right. So, and if you don't have time, it's to, all principle based. Yeah. And if you, if you don't have time to do it right, when will you have time to do it over? Well, exactly. And I, I don't <laughs> want to go back and do it again. I want to yeah. do it. Yeah. I want to do it once and do it well, but you know, this quality thing is an important, um, kind of sideline that we're on now. Uh, Cause I'm running in this more and more with people too. Like I have a little, um, another little saying I throw around, which is I'd rather have the, the best life than the biggest business. Yeah. Wow. That's you really know? good. Yeah. Because I mean, you're always dealing with these trade-offs of like, what are you going to give up in your life in order to produce the next bigger, greater thing in your business? And it's like, no, that's not why I'm here. You know, I mean, my business contributes to my life. It's not that I use my life to build a business and then I have this business, but then I gave my life over to it. Right. Right. Yeah. Because that's a, that's not a worthwhile exchange if you're giving your life over to it. I, I, I love it when people can have the focus in the mindset of work exists because I exist. It's not the other way around. I don't exist because of work. You know, we're the ones that are supposed to be the ones creating these things. We we have our 
um, unmistakably creative abilities and gifts inside of us. We have our uniquenesses and things that we need to be bringing out into the world. And it's going to take, it's going to take the time that we need. We're going to have to prioritize some things. We're going to have to understand what we value and what we want that experience of living to be like. Um, as opposed to just, you know, uh, you ever see that Seinfeld where they, they're in Jerry's kitchen and he and, and Kramer and Newman are making sausages, <laughs> you know, just cr- have you ever seen Seinfeld where you're just cranking yeah, out I've the seen sausage? Seinfeld, but I haven't seen that. Yeah. It, it is so hilarious. Cause you know, how Kramer is, you know, Kramer's just, and it's, it's he and Newman, they're in the kitchen and they're just making sausages. And Jerry comes in like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we're making sausages, Jerry. <laughs> You know, but there's a lot of people doing life like that. It's just like they're just sitting there just cranking out sausage, you know. Um, But, hey, you know, um, because of this quality thing and where we talked, we spoke a lot. um, I mean, you brought some great depth and the listeners loved it. And that's why I knew I wanted to get you back on the show. But as a person that focuses on personal development and how the pursuit of financial freedom provides a transformational path to personal fulfillment, Right. You know, that right there says so much to so many people. And I was wondering, you know, I know I pull that right out of your website because I was thinking, you know, we, we spoke about so many things last time we chatted. But I was like, what if you could drill into that a little bit more? And, you know, in, in, in these sections, obviously focus, there's something there, personal development, you know, pursuit of financial freedom, but I like provides a transformational path. Could you drill into that a little bit? Just, just you know, blow well, that all, up for some people there. Yeah, they're all connected. What it is is that um, in order for you to become financially independent, you're going to have to overcome a lot of personal obstacles, blocks. You're going to have to learn things. And you're going to go through this path of growth because you're literally going to end up redefining yourself. Because whether you realize it or not, you've got yourself, you've got a definition of yourself about where you are in life right now. So if you move where you are in life to some other location that's noticeably different, i.e. from a workaday life to a life of financial freedom, you're going to go through a transformational path to get there. You won't be the same person at the end that you were at the beginning. It's a path of growth right. and development. It can be a very positive path of growth and development if you do it right. It could be negative if you do it poorly. Um, and so I always say if you want to get on a path of personal transformation, there's no no more lucrative path to do it with than to become financially independent. And, you know, that, that thing, like a lot of people would go, ah, you know, that's cute, Todd, all this stuff. But it's pretty funny because I've got a person in in the course right now, the wealth planning course, and she was a spiritual guru. Like she was working with spiritual gurus and she had pursued her life from the spiritual guru side. And she says she loves the course because it connects all the dots for her. Like she realized that she was, starving her life on the physical scale in pursuit of the in, in pursuit of the uh guru kind of scale right the, right the the psychological guru part she was starving her life physically and in the current world and she realized that that wasn't a path of wholeness either and now she's studying wealth and wealth planning and she says it integrates perfectly with all her learning from the spiritual side now because it's it's like a spiritual path to wealth, if you will, without getting too woo-woo on people. It's just that it's it's about how you build wealth and build yourself at the same time. Mm, that's so rich. You know, and I don't think people understand how much, you know, resources, finances, things like that, they are, um, I mean, literally, you touch those topics on people, 
and it does have an impact on them because I believe we're spiritual beings and it does it. You can feel it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, he's a little kid, you know, where'd you hurt yourself? And, you know, you press it and they're like, Oh, right there. You know, you get yeah. on some of these topics and if, if you bring up finances, resources, things like that, wealth, man, you start touching that. And it it's not that they just feel it in their mind. I think they feel it on the inside. It's something they feel much deeper than the surface. Well, it's always fascinating for me because, you know, I've worked with people for so long. I've been a coach for two decades and, you know, I was into this field before I even started the coaching side as, as a hedge fund manager. So I've been dealing with money with people for my whole adult career and I'm 57 as we record this. And so I've gotten a bit comfortable with it. <laughs> and, right. and so it's striking sometimes how people are very uncomfortable with it. You know, and a lot of people will just play off my comfort with it and they'll go, okay, you know, like there's a space of trust and they, they get, they, they find it too. Cause again, I'm just, I just work with this stuff and it just is, it's not, right. there is no emotional attachment to it. You know, it's like, right. okay, you just work with it and you find the issues and you overcome them and, and all that. And so, um, but it's interesting seeing how much emotional baggage people do carry around financial issues or self-worth equated to financial worth and, you know, how much they get paid associated with their vision of themselves and, you know, how successful they are financially. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's rather fascinating to work with. You know, that that's, that's interesting because people want to be satisfied. They are looking for something. I mean, obviously, um, you know, I love uh, Dr. Henry Cloud's one of my favorite people and he's written a powerful book called the power of others. And in there, he talks about a corner, one person, two, three, and four, and he talks about the different stages and how you, you know, you're ultimately, you want to be a corner four. And he goes through like when you see the trend of an addict or someone like that and the way that we have coping mechanisms, things that we do, something happens, our lizard braid kicks in and then we go to protection mode. And so we may do that by, you know, a person goes on a shopping spree, person overeats. Like there are all these things that we do because we want to bring ourselves what? Comfort, Right. And right. you said something earlier about definition of yourself, you know, like, um, I like, I like it when I hear it, uh, you know, another way of stories you tell yourself, but the stories you tell yourself are coming from that, the way you've defined yourself. But yeah. as that relates to satisfaction and finding satisfaction and being satisfied and a person, they're not going to ever see that fulfillment unless they truly focus in or zoom in on that definition and those stories. What, what, what's your, what's your input on that? Well, you're opening up a, I mean, we could go through several podcasts just on this one <laughs> idea because now you're going into what's fulfillment and that's, that's a very fascinating thing. The way I, the way I like to explain fulfillment is I use the analogy of a cat, right? Right. If you try to get the cat to come over to you, what does it do? It goes the other way. <laughs> yeah. It, it'll be elusive. Yeah. It looks at you walk. like what? Yeah, it'll walk around the edges just out of the reach of your arms and it'll right. And yet if you if you make an inviting lap that's warm and snugly for that cat to come lay in on, you can't get rid of that cat to save your life. Right. And that's the way fulfillment works. Fulfillment is something you have to invite in through the way you set up your life and create your life. You can't actually overtly pursue fulfillment. Mm. That's really powerful. So it's an invitation. You have to, it has to be inviting. And you have it, to do, you have to run your life in a way that creates a fulfilling experience 
but you can't overtly pursue fulfillment. So it's, it's a common myth. So like I'll see people, they become financially independent and what do they do? They enter what I call the pro leisure circuit, Mm. right? So the pro leisure circuit is this thing where your pursuit of life is pursuit of your own self entertainment, Mm. right? So like I used to live at Lake Tahoe. Now I live in Reno, but I used to live in Lake Tahoe. And so there was what I called the rich ski bums. And these are people who are financially independent. And so they would ski, you know, hundred days a season, 150 days a season, whatever it was, they'd be up there skiing every day. And most of them drink way too much. They're generally not happy. You know, they're complaining. I'm trying, I don't want to generalize, but what I'm pointing out is they're trying to find happiness in what they thought it would be, which is life as an endless vacation. But what they're missing is what fulfillment really is. You know, fulfillment has certain requirements to make that lap, inviting for the cat to come over. Things like creative pursuit. It's got to be something bigger than you. Your life has to be something bigger than you. If you just try to pursue your own self-interest, it's not that fulfilling. Mm. Um, community, connection, sense of purpose. Um, there's all these different things that go into creating a fulfilling life. And so surprisingly, work is often included in that. If work is creative and a sense of purpose and all these other things that work can bring to a life, Right. It can build a community. It can do all kinds of things that you lose when you're no longer working and then find that there's a vacuum there. So it's funny because, I mean, we could do a whole nother podcast on retirement. Like what is retirement, right? Right. Because retirement is really, in, uh, in my mind, it's a euphemism for old age financial independence, right? But you can be financially independent at any age, so you can be quote unquote retired in any age. But does that mean you don't work? Right. No, it does not. See, retirement really is about freedom, the freedom to create what life you want. We just called it this thing called retirement where people at 65 now are suddenly free of their workaday lives. Right, done. And they get certain privileges. Yeah. But really what it is is it's freedom. Now, the problem is you don't get that freedom until you're old and you've lost a lot of your health. (laughs) And so then you can't go really live your life, which is kind of screwed up, right? Right. And so what I'm teaching people is that retirement or freedom can be attained at any age in life, the sooner the better because you have more health, you have more years to enjoy it. And then what you do is you change your life in pursuit of fulfillment. And fulfillment does not mean you don't work. I work. I work probably nine months out of the year. When I work, I work pretty hard. And then I vacation average three months a year. Some years it's two months, some years it's four months. And so that's the balance I found, if you can even call it a balance, but it's actually a balance made of two extremes. In one extreme, when I'm on vacation, I'm truly present to the vacation. I'm not doing work. I don't bring work with me. And then when I'm working, I'm focused on my work. And you're not and thinking about vacation. <laughs> I'm not on vacation. <laughs> yeah. you know? Although I do do fun stuff. Right. Because you know, I want to lead a fulfilling life. But the you know I'm focused on getting my work done and, and building what I'm creating. So anyway, these are, you know, this sounds kind of airy-fairy, but these how you hold these terms connects very much to our conversation earlier, Tim, where, you know, we're talking about like, you know, this self-definition and what that does to you. Well, then we've got this definition of retirement. What does that do? I know a lot of people I'll talk to, they say, well, I don't want to retire. I'd say, well, how are you defining retirement then? Because right. it's pretty damn good. You probably really do want it if you have a different definition of it. Right, right. It's a point of view. It's the shift of a point of view. I tell, <laughs> we could all be, we, we could have 12 people surrounding one person in the room. This is one way I work with people when it comes to, you know, um, uh, you, you know, different religious groups and and a group of Christians I was with one time and they were all debating because they were like, you know, they're it's like they're debating on the stuff that's negotiable. And I'm sitting here going, what in the world? 
you know, so I was like, let's just imagine. So I said, let's get our circle around this chair. And we set someone in the middle. And I said, now everybody look at this person. And then I said, I started pointing to what do you see? And they started telling me, what do you see? What do you see? Everyone could give a different description. It was based on their point of view. And so yep. what we need to do is stop looking at the one spot that we're at. If you want to see the other side of something, you're going to have to move. You know what I mean? You need to move. And a lot of it is a shifting of that, your point of view. We're waiting well, for the point of view to turn for that. us, you know? Go ahead. I'm going to add on to that because I like where you're going. I'm just going to take it a slightly different direction, see where you yeah. go with this. Yeah. It's not just shifting your point of view. It's developing a broader point of view. Right. Right. So like I teach wealth planning, right? And most people have this belief about what wealth planning is, right? Because they've studied a little bit of personal finance. They study a little bit of investing. They have a financial planner. They go down, they get their financial plan. It's a conventional passive asset allocation plan. They have a view. They think they have a financial plan. They don't really understand the depth of what wealth planning is and what goes into it, right? right. And so it's just like you're talking about. They have their viewpoint of it. If I ask 10 people what a financial plan is, I'm going to get these 10 different stories and they'll be better fairly similar because there's a general belief of what a financial plan is. Right. The only way you can really see what a wealth plan is done right and how it shapes your life and how it reworks everything is if you can expand that context to see a bigger viewpoint that contains more ideas. Right. Right. That's right. Get a bigger picture. Yeah. yeah. It, it, must, it must be, it has to be a bigger picture. If you want to see change, you're going to have to take in more, you know, it's well, like, here's, here's how you know, that's true. Here's how you know that in the world of financial planning that there has to be a bigger picture. Here's financial planning profession. It's been around for a long time. It's teaching the same, same stuff it's always taught, and it's never worked. Right. So how is it that some people get wealthy and others don't? There's a bigger context. There's a bigger understanding. You know it's true. The data shows it's true. And yet everybody's running around doing the conventional plan. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> and it's, and then they want to know why it worked for the guy next door, but not for, for them. And maybe someone should say, Hey, what if you tried something different? You know? Yeah. And, and when you say different, that's when people get scary because my guy said, <laughs> you know, right. this is what my guy told me. And I say, well, how many other guys are out there, you know, and what other stuff can you do? You know, let your curiosity lead you. See, I'd be more curious when something's not working, one of the things I do is I get my mind off of it being the negative that, hey, this isn't working. And what I do is I say, I need more curiosity here because that's when I'm going to um, allow myself to, you know, take in more information. You know, it's kind of like well, my eyes work better when I have more light, you know? I do something similar. I have a different framework I put around it. I have a different way of describing it, but it's very similar. When I go into a subject, I, 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 like everyone else, starts at what I'll call level one understanding, right? Level one understanding is like the common understanding. And it's usually fairly simplistic because that's why we can hold it in our minds, right? So like in dieting, it would be calories, right? right? That would be like a simplistic understanding. Or in wealth, wealth building, it would be a conventional financial plan with you know low-cost passive index asset allocation portfolio. These are like the basic understandings, the simplistic understanding everybody has, and then when I want to know the topic, explore it, and expand that context, I pursue a level two understanding. And so I'll deep dive into the subject, right, until I get the nuances and right. I get the subtleties and I see that it's actually, rather than the static, simple equation that I started with of counting calories for dieting, which is one everybody can relate to and understand, I start learning how the body's a chemistry experiment and how this whole idea is not just about calories in, calories out, like it's a budget or something that results in fat or fat loss, right. but rather 
there's a whole bigger dynamic of how the body works and it works with different types of foods and all these things. And you learn a dynamic equation that has subtleties and nuances. Well, it's the same thing in finance too. When you get to that level two understanding, that's when you can succeed reliably because mm. you have the dynamics, you have the subtleties, you can work with it. It's a little more complex, a little more nuanced, but it's way more effective. Mm. That's good stuff right there. I like that. I will, uh, I'll give you credit for it, but I will, uh, I'm going to take some of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, you know, um, since we're on this, you know, and we're talking about, you know, level two understanding and nuances and that, you know, getting more, getting, getting more information and understanding beyond just that level one, but getting into the greater and broader, um, uh, components and pieces and getting more nuance to it. But Hey, what are what is something that you believe? Because you know this is this is where we all are. I think, you know, um, who was it? I think it's Mark Twain that said education consists mainly of all we've unlearned. Right. <laughs> so, um, what is something you believe to be true? You know, it could be it could relate to money, life, whatever. Um, that now you don't. What changed? Oh, boy, that's kind of out of left field. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> Huh. Well, I'll tell you what, when I started in the hedge fund business, so my, my financial background, I, I started in the hedge fund business, which is kind of the rocket science of investing. Right. Right. Um, and so I started on the quant side. So I was one of the early pioneers of developing computerized mathematical trading systems and risk management systems for the markets. Um, and that's how I cut my teeth and that's how I learned a lot of what I teach. And so I started off kind of laughing at conventional asset allocation right? Right. And then the deeper I dove into understanding what worked, what didn't and why investing and surprisingly very little works in investing. Um, most of what's taught doesn't actually work. Um, and so as I started really narrowing it down, figuring out what worked and then I got into expectancy mathematics and that's a whole nother subject. And I started understanding risk management. I started understanding principles. I actually came all the way back to understanding that while passive index asset allocation is not an efficient path to wealth. It is valid. So I started out with something where I completely dismissed the conventional approach as so inferior that it didn't even merit. It was like, if you could see me right now, I'm just like flipping my hand out to the side, like it was just worthless. Right. Right. And I've come back and I've recognized, no, it's, it's a valid thing. Now it's not efficient and it has certain characteristics that I choose not to put my money in it, but I also don't dismiss it out of hand anymore. I've come back and realized the validity of what's there. And I can, I don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I can keep what's good. I can teach what's good and I can show them the the flaws and the issues so they can decide if those trade-offs work for them or if they want to accept it. And I bet you that opened you up to say, wow, I sure did dismiss something rather quickly without a lot of understanding. Actually, what it did was that was when I started really understanding at a deeper level where I could teach it properly, mm, right? Because then yeah. I started understanding the roots of what creates validity, where it all comes from, which is it's all mathematics. And so then I started like, then I could build it back up again. It's like I started on one side, I developed a whole knowledge on one side, then I came and poo-pooing the other side of the equation. Then I came back and saw the validity of the other side, and I realized there was a common underpinning, and that's when I had real knowledge. Mm, that's great. You know, you, you know, you've especially talking about this book, this new book you've written, and it's coming out of a course. I'm actually writing a book, and um, and it's be because I started working on some online courses, and so I've got this book I'm developing. 
And what I'm noticing is, you know, I feel torn between two and a new idea comes in, another idea, and I'm trying not to stifle create creativity, but I'm also advancing it, right? But even as you just walk through that whole, um, uh, you know, story of your life where you discovered something and, and how you were able to fold in that information um, into a new idea, and it's not a distraction, um, how do you make sure that a new idea or something that you are when you're working or developing on something or there's a plan or a process you're working with, how do you make sure it doesn't go too far to where it becomes a distraction in what you're doing or what you're developing or a strategy that you have, um, whether it's around money, life, whatever you're trying to do, a course, developing something but it's something that you say, hey, this can truly be folded in. Like, how do you test it? How do you make sure that you're not, wow, I just totally went the wrong way? So how do I keep from chasing bright, shiny objects? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, not just random bright, shiny objects. Maybe a shiny object that looks like it could fit in what you're doing. Yeah, so it's it's two things. One is this idea of what I call opportunistic focus. And that is that the opportunities are not the same at all points in time for all endeavors you might pursue, right? Because the market will offer different levels. This comes from my investing background. The market offers different levels of opportunity at different times for different strategies. And so a lot of times it's just a matter of aligning the strategy with the opportunity available in the market. Um, so I do the same thing in my business practice where I'll look and see where opportunity is and try to align my focus with that. So that's one point. And then the other point is um, jumping on efficiencies that present themselves in front of me. So for example, I have a large site project, uh, website-based project um, that has been on my to-do list for, gosh, two years. And it some of the steps that are cumbersome to it is just finding the right people Right. to, well, it bridges into our conversation about leverage, right? Finding the right people with the right knowledge and the right needs that I can leverage in order to accomplish the project, right? Right. And so this has been sitting on my to-do list for a couple of years, and I'm in the middle of finishing up this course, publishing this book. I need another project like I need a hole in the head. Right. And yet out of the woodwork, this guy got referred to me who's the perfect person for this project. And it's been on my to-do list for two years, and I know that finding the perfect person is the key to this. And so guess what? I'm running with it. Like, I don't have time now. It doesn't fit. And yet the opportunity is there. I need to jump on it. Mm. Okay. And this is one of the things I teach in the courses. Everybody has a certain number of opportunities across their path in their lifetime. The difference in the successful people is they, they understand how to recognize opportunity from distraction, which is what you're getting to. Right. True opportunity is one thing. Distraction is another. And how to stay on track. And so this one got prioritized because the opportunity presented itself and it's on my list. It's not like it's just some bright, shiny object out of nowhere. This is on my to-do list. It's been there for two years. Does it fit right now? No. But the opportunity presented itself, therefore I make it fit. Hmm. That's good. I like that. And when you like, so where you are now with your new, so just, let's just, cause we can talk about the new book as well. And so obviously how long had you had that book in you, do you feel? Uh, seven, eight years. 
Okay. And so why now? So it literally, it was sitting in a file drawer in folders, all mapped out with all the notes and everything. It's been sitting there for years. All my products are that way though. I've got a, I've got file drawers filled with all the products and books I want to create. And so what, what, why now though? Why do you feel like this is the time? Cause I was in the middle of teaching the course, right. And I was building out the course. I've got like 400 students in there. And, you know, as I go through, they're giving me live feedback and that's, that's a course development strategy. I'm sure you're probably familiar with it mm-hmm. where you do it with what I call the founders group. They're my founders. Right. And they're in there and they got a lower price and they are part of my team and they give me feedback and they're on the office hours recordings and everything. And they're just very involved with it. Right. And so as we worked through the material, they would show me through their questions, what gaps were in the knowledge. Mm. And so they're teaching me what's missing by what they're asking and what they're telling me they need help with. And so that, then I fill those gaps with the stuff and with the, with the course material. And so the leverage lessons, I had always planned on being a separate book, but it was clear to me as I, I, there's a thing I call the advanced planning framework, which is rather than, you know, most people, when they think of building wealth, they think of like amassing this huge pile of money. Right. Right. And so you compound up this huge pile of money and then you, um, use that to live off of, so you don't have to do anything of substance for the rest of your life. You're just living off your pile of money and your assets. And in the advanced planning framework, I teach you how to substitute business systems for a pile of money. Cause in the end, what you really need is cash flow, right? Right. You need residual cash flow to pay your expenses. That's what creates the freedom. And so the idea that you have to have a pile of money is a myth. What you need is sources of cash flow. And so the way I define financial freedom is when cash flow exceeds expenses. And so then the goal of financial freedom is you amass cash flow producing assets, of which those can be assets other than what your financial planner would normally try to sell you, right? So it's things like business systems, entrepreneur, intellectual property, whatever. And so um, as I was developing that, it became clear that they had to have the leverage knowledge, that I had left a huge gaping hole in that advanced planning framework knowledge base. They had to have that book. And so I created it in the form of lessons. It ended up, it's like a 45,000 words. Um, and so now I'm translating it back out into a book as a sub product that will then upsell to the course, which is part of my marketing systems, which is exactly what I teach them in the course too. Right. So it's been really fun, Tim, actually, because one of the, one of the feedback my students is telling me is, is that they're saying, and my assistant told me this too. She said, I've worked with you for years, Todd. And, you know, now I'm watching you teach this course and it's exactly everything you've done with me as we built this business. And now the students are telling me the same thing. Like they're watching me build the marketing systems out of the course infrastructure. And that's exactly as I taught them in the course. Wow. And they're like, wow, look at you. You're doing exactly what you taught us. You're walking the talk. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean, this is how I do this stuff, you guys. I didn't make this stuff up. This is what works. Yeah, it, it wasn't an accidentally on purpose thing. <laughs> yeah, no, no, this is this is honestly how I see it, and this is how I walk the talk. Right. So, what would you say are are you hoping when you know? Obviously, it's the pairing of the. I mean, a person can do the book separately, your new book, but you would really like to see them have the, the do the course and the book. All right. Like, is that what you, well, no, you can just do the course without the book. The book is, you know, when it comes out on Amazon, it's, you know, what is it going to be? 15 bucks for the paperback and nine bucks for the ebook. So it books really are, you know, I think books are the single best value in education, right? Uh, anybody who's written a book, they know how much work goes into doing one well. 
And so if you find a good author that you resonate with and they're sharing good value, it's, it, it's just an amazing value for 10 bucks to get a book. But ultimately leverage is just one piece of the entire wealth building equation. You know, as we said earlier, you have to have a full context to understand how the puzzle pieces fit together. Right. And if you don't have that full context, what happens is you miss out on opportunity. You don't know how to recognize it. You don't know how to put the puzzle pieces together. And so leverage is one piece of that puzzle. But there's many other pieces too. There's risk management. There's, you know, the characteristics of the asset classes. There's how you combine them with your unique characteristics, how you formulate in the plan, how you get the math behind it to work. And, you know, all that's taught in the course. And it sounds cumbersome, but it's really not. Um, it's actually kind of cool once you see how it all fits together. Mm. And what I like is that you are allowing your students, which, you know, that's a lot of people have a hard time with that. Like they'll, they'll use people to get information, but they won't connect. And it sounds to me like you're, you have a, um, these are true ambassadors. Like they're truly there with you. You've cultivated a great relationship. Um, and a lot of people that are out there trying to do stuff, they don't understand the power of, you know, it's not just what you give to them. Like there's something you get back. Like I know you as a coach, I know you're a coach as well and you coach people, but you, I don't think people realize it's not just, it's not the coach just doing something for you. You're actually developing them. The coach should be growing and developing as well in the, pro, in the process. And there's a, oh, yeah. there's a great exchange there. And I can tell that's what you're, you're doing. And, and I just want to ask you because I, I've been doing this thing and I'm very curious about it. And as a matter of fact, on Monday, I'm doing a training thing and I'm going to go through, I'm working on principles and practices of connecting better with people. And I feel like this is great because you know, your book, you know, their feedback is helping you, um, you know, to continue to refine and sharpen yourself. And I think this is great. What are five or six or one, you know, principles or practices that, that you feel you do well that help you to better connect or make better connections with, with the students and the people that you're working with? Uh, I think the biggest one is just integrity and honesty. Um, so let me explain where this is coming from. I remember I was at a personal development seminar one time and it's kind of similar to what you were describing where put somebody in the center and there's like six or seven of us around a ring and the person would be told, so the, the, the person who's guiding the experience would, would say something like, okay, talk about your mother. And the person in the center has to go talk about their mother and they would go on for like a minute or two. And then everybody gives them feedback, right? Right. Based on what they shared, then you give them feedback about the relationship with their mother or whatever. And what was striking was how everybody could see through the bullshit I was just blown away that there was absolutely no mask. We went through every one of us in the circle and every one of us got unmasked by the group. Oof. And it was like, oh my God, why do we even waste our time putting these masks on? If it's that clear to everybody, if it's that obvious, the incongruence can be seen by everybody, then just be yourself, yeah. you know? Like, and so like, here's another one. I get these people like when they sometimes people give me testimonials and I'll say, Hey, you know, it's okay. I'm going to put, you know, it's your name and your, your city and state. And I'm like, Oh gosh, I can't do that. You know, pri privacy on the internet. And I said, Oh, I'm a public figure. I gave up on that long ago. You know? Right. <clears throat> I said, here's what I figured out about privacy on the internet. If you think you have it, you're delusional. Yeah. It doesn't matter. 
<laughs> you know, you, you've got none. I promise you that because as somebody who runs a site, I know all the different ways that the privacy is violated or could be violated if somebody chose to. I mean, there's all kinds of database services that'll extract info about you. It's, it's horrible, right? And so I, I tell them, I go, the key is just don't do anything that you have to be embarrassed about or be ashamed of. Right. That, right. Yeah. If, that, if yeah. you just don't have anything to hide, then you can skip the whole privacy thing because you don't have it anyway. And, and people like that's a little bit unmasking. That's a little bit naked and it's a little bit scary. And yet it's the truth. Right. And so you're asking me what builds the trust or how do you communicate better? And the thing is, is just be honest and be direct. Um, because they're, everybody's going to see through it anyway. That is like, to me, I mean, I'm just sitting here and I'm, I'm going, um, I, I believe it's in Greek, uh, the word hypocrite, you know, it's a mask, you know, it's a hypocrisy Yeah, and that's what they would use the mask, you know, back when they would act and they would hold up a mask, everybody knew who it was on the stage. You know, they knew who, you know, they came to the show like, oh, I'm in a play, you know, come see me and they have it up and they know it's you, but you hold up the mask in order to be the character. Right. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting when, you know, that's why they say a great, great actor is like their friends when they're watching a movie and they're so convinced because they know the person so well, but yet they could pull off another character, you know? Um, and for movies, that's great, but in real life, that's not so good. You know, <laughs> well, and you know, you guys like these people have been the course, they've been there for two and a half years with me, weekly office hours. I mean, the amount of material they've con congested, digested with my voice on it and my thoughts, it's, it's gargantuan, right? If it's not an integrity, they're going to see through it. Mm. They're not going to be fans at the end because there's going to be contradictions. It, nobody's that smart that they can be incongruent and pull it off. Yeah. Right. It's so just true. way too, it's way too much work. You may as well just go ahead and be yourself, you know, warts, blemishes and all, um, be yourself. And at least that person that you are will be congruent. I'll give you no one's closely related, right? Cause you can't have one of these without the other. Okay. But this is self-acceptance. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because what happens is when you can accept yourself with all your idiosyncrasies, because I'm not perfect, right? I mean, I'm a bit of a nuthead in many ways and <laughs> hyperactive. And if I don't get my exercise every two days, I can be a little bit on the angry side. And I mean, I've got all kinds of flaws, right? Um, but it's also part of what makes me who I am, right? It's that intensity that creates the intense mind that creates all this material, Right. So if I didn't have that level of intensity as part of my beingness that I literally had to shape through vigorous exercise in order to manage it, um, then I wouldn't have any of the stuff that I've created. Right. Because that's that level of intensity in the mind that's done that. So anyway, you, you have to come. I Hopefully you could even hear it in what I was just saying about the self-acceptance of it. Am I perfect? No. Do I say things that are offensive sometimes? Yes. What I've done is I've learned to accept it. When I can accept that from myself, then I can accept other people's flaws too. Right. When people feel accepted, then they trust you and they like you more. And so like I had an experience the other night. I had a, my 57th birthday party was the other night and some friends, we all went out to this cool, cool event later in that evening. And one of the friends left with his date. He's divorced, so he had a date, left early. And he apologized for leaving early. 
at this at, at this at this event last night that I was at, and I said, "What?" I go, "What are you apologizing for?" He says, "Oh, I just felt self conscious. You know, we left early, and my date felt bad, and I just you know want to say sorry." And I'm like, "You don't have to say sorry." I said, "Man, I got no judgment on it. You know, like if, if I'm going to be worried about that, then yeah. you know." my life is not going to run well at all. If, yeah. If I'm you've got so, a whole set of different problems. <laughs> yeah. If, I, if, if I'm paying attention on that, I said, man, that believe me, you got to do a lot more than, than that to get me to judge you, you know? <laughs> right. Well, um, the book, what do you, it, what is your expectation uh, with the book as far as your new well, book that's coming out? It, my expectations aren't that huge. Um, <laughs> you know, People think, oh, you write a book and you know it's going to be this big splash and they want to have a big party and all this. This is my sixth book. I've already got my seventh almost written. And you know, because once you write a book, that's only about a third of the task, and you have to go through so many layers of editing. But by, th- by the time you're done with it, you hate it. Um, and then you still have to do all the design work and the cover and everything else, right? So this book was written quite a while ago, and it's been through its production process, just getting ready for publishing now. Um, And what I know from the five books that preceded it and the books that are going to come after it is each one's a piece of the overall structure. And it's the series itself that has the power. So any one book, I'm not looking for a home run, but the series itself is a home run, right? Mm, right. So like if you go on Amazon and you look at any one of my books and you look at the also bots, you'll see that all my other books are the also bots. Right. That tells me I'm doing it right. That means that a reader that runs across one of my books in a given subject. And all my books are about achieving financial freedom, financial independence. They're just, the way I do it is a book is a specific start to end thing that has a completion and a point. A course is a much bigger animal and that's why it's in a course format. It needs a different type of instruction. Whereas a post or an article is more of a soundbite type experience that can be done in you know a couple thousand words or whatever. So each format has its own venue for its own problem and solution. Everything I do is all about attaining wealth, financial freedom, leaving, lead, leaving, leaving, leading a free life, <laughs> right? Right. And so these are cogs in that wheel. It's part of a much bigger system of education that I'm building out. So when you say, "What are my expectations for the book?" My expectations are that it gets great reviews. As long as it really helps people and the people that read it go, wow, I got something of value out of it. Wow. This is something I've never run across before the way you presented this material. As long as I can do that, I can have that impact and, and expand people's context. Then the book is satisfied what its purpose was. Wow. And for those of you who are listening, uh, you've been, they've been hearing me say a lot that, you know, there was a time when gold backed our currency, which I don't want to get into that because I know that you're, you're really, this is your world and finances and stuff. But I tell people to be the gold that backs the currency, the thing that's actually out there doing the commerce. In other words, any exchange, anything you do, be the real value that backs it. Don't be this thing that can just be lit on fire and burn up and, you know, really has no meaning and value anyway. Yeah. You are the assigned value. And 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 I'm saying that Todd because that's what I hear coming out of you. And yeah. that you have you you are totally and you're aligned with where you want to go which is where I want to go with this. So I, I have like two questions but what do you want your legacy to be? Um you know, that, that's a fascinating question. That's the whole reason I'm building Financial Mentor. It is my legacy. Um, this is a little side side note. It's I mean, okay. You just triggered it with your question, which was um, once you're financially independent, it's it's not easy to get motivated because you don't really have to do anything, right? Because you have money. And so 
so how do you find motivation? And so it's funny you asked it in terms of a legacy because what's drives me on financial mentor was that I'm not, com- I'm not, I can't go to bed, go to bed, go to death. I can't die. Boy, I'm not saying this well at all. <laughs> I can't, I can't hit my deathbed. That's where the bed came from was deathbed. <laughs> I can't hit my deathbed. So this is a writer in me, right? <laughs> yeah. like, I, I love playing with writer friends, right? Because we'll just sit here and we'll work words back and forth with each other, <laughs> rephrase stuff. And we'll just laugh at each other because we're such writers and we're constantly trying to find the right word to express something and we'll jumble things anyway, <laughs> off track. So on the deathbed right. exercise, on the deathbed exercise, the only thing I got clear on that I couldn't go to my death being dissatisfied with was not having built this business. At the time when I did this process, the business was just a cute little boutique coaching company. And so it was helping the people that I coached directly. But I knew that from my work with coaching clients, they were like blown away, like it changed their lives, right? And the universal thing was, man, the way you teach this stuff is so different, Todd. Like, and I realized that I did have a different voice and I wasn't okay going to my deathbed, not having expressed that voice in a way that could reach more people. Right. It was one thing to limit it to a bunch of coaching clients. It's another thing to do the hard work to get it in books and courses so it can be scaled, which again is leverage, which is what the book's about. Right. Right. It's me walking the talk exactly as I was saying, it comes full circle in this interview again, which is what I'm doing is I'm building more leveraged business models so I can reach more people at a more cost efficient price point. I can deliver more value. Mm. And so, and the whole starting point of course, is that you have something of value to share. Wow. That's great. That's, I mean, if, if everyone could hear what you said, which they are hearing if they're listening that, and apply that to whatever their world looks like, that is where you need to be. You've got to get to where you have this thing. It's not only just in your mind, but it, you know, you know, it's like you have gold in your head and you need to, you need to melt it and get it into your heart, like really a part of your being and really make it a part of who you are. And, and that's what you're living. Um, how well, the leverage book, the leverage book goes in and shows you how to do it. It explains the different models by which you can build something of value that you can then leverage. Mm, that's, that's, that's great. Well, speaking of books, we're doing giveaways. So whenever that book comes out, I'm putting you on the spot here. I would love it if you would send me some, because what we'll do is we do something on Instagram or something and we, we give these books out and what we do is we send them off to people. So a lot of the authors have been providing books for us to do that with. So anyone that you would want to share with us, please do that. And I'm going to put it in there and get it out there to people and th- those who uh, uh, want to take those steps and, and dig deeper. So yeah, absolutely. I'll put that in your lap, but Hey, the last question that I want to ask you, what are, what are uh, three things that you are optimistic about over the next 12 months? Um, my health, um, my kids and where they're going in life and where this business is going. Those are great answers. So, um, once again, I mean, I love speaking with you. I'm like, you and I, I need to get, I'm going to have to schedule three and four. We, we just need to go ahead and do it in advance so we can grab a hold of some of these like fulfillment. We just need to have a whole conversation on fulfillment. Um, but definitely. Oh, yeah, we, could, we could have a whole conversation on that. We could have a whole conversation <laughs> on retirement. Yeah. Well, we need right? to, yeah, we need to book them. So I'm going to make sure I send that over and get a, a link request out. And we need to like just circle back and, and do some more of these. Um, what, what would you, uh, right now, as far as you want them to just 
go to what what would you say your finance financial mentor site like what's what's the best place you want these folks to come and dig a little deeper into you where they can find the best of everything in one place yeah so well i mean financialmentor.com so financial mentor two words mashed together.com is my website it's the hub of everything and so on any of the articles in the site you can or you can go over the main menu and you'll see products and then the books will appear in there if you want the book um, that's an easy way to find her. You can go to Amazon and find it on Amazon. Um, look up Todd Tresseter if you can spell that, you know, or any of the misspellings that should still pull me. There's not too many versions. Um, and so, yeah, you can get the book on Amazon if you just want the book or you can come to my website and I'll have links out to the various uh, venues where it's sold. And um, there's tons of free content on the website. I give away a free course. Um, I give away a free book on the website too. So just come on over and get to know us better. Awesome. Awesome. Well, man, you're, you're always a great guest and I really appreciate just, um, just how willing you are to share and open up. I mean, it's always, you always inspire me. I was really looking forward to it and, um, and I'm not disappointed. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) I enjoy interviewing with you, Tim. You like to dig into it. So it's fun. All right. Well, you've been listening to another episode of Uphill Conversations. Always remember you can be more, do more and have more. Your reasons for being, doing and having are for you to figure out and no one else. And always remember everything up worth having is uphill, but you can't go uphill with a downhill habit. And most importantly, though, you will see people like me and Todd on the hill. All right, sir, that's a wrap. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at uphillconversations.co. See you on the hill.